Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. We are right around the corner from actual, real, tangible NHL hockey. Yes, none of it involves the Devils, but most of the series that are going to be played in the next week, and with the exception of the round-robin games uh, that the top four seeds will participate in, do have some sort of implication for the Devils, either directly or indirectly. So, here to break that down and give you an idea of what you should be watching for and who you should be rooting for, I have John Fisher. How's it going, John? It goes well, and we are very close to having not just hockey returning, Dan, but all day hockey. Yes, so we have a wall-to-wall hockey day that in a lot of cases will start at, um, what, like 2 p.m. and go until at least a 10.30 start, something like that? Longer than that. Some of the days will have noon start times and uh, will run past midnight. So you can have half of your day just sit in front of the TV or having it on in the background because you're supposed to be working from home and uh, get into some hockey, Mm -hmm. constant hockey, whether you've got the NHL Network, Sportsnet, um, there's going to be a lot of the local channels. I do want to emphasize this up front. So if you're in the local market for your team, you might not get the national broadcast because your local channel may have it instead. But, you know, for those of us who are uh, in the general overall markets, like, say, the Devils, since they're not going to be playing, mm-hmm. NBCSN, NBC in a handful of cases, USA in a couple cases will have games. So get your popcorn, get your pizzas. Screw the diet. Watch hockey for 12 hours a day. <laughs> yeah, this is an exciting time to be a hockey fan, and obviously we hope everything goes well in the bubble environments, which seem to be pretty effective for other sports that have restarted so far. So I'm pretty hopeful that uh, the combination of it being bubbled and in Canada will lead to a uh, successful finishing of the season. And what that entails is four different types of uh, series. So I'll break it down. Basically, let's go from most implications or least implications to most implications and for me the play ga- the play in games or re- really the round robin games that are going to have the least implications for New Jersey is going yes. to be that western conference round robin it's going to be the blues the avalanche the golden knights and the stars jockeying for position yeah i mean unless, i mean they're going to be good games don't get me wrong yeah, yeah like, i'm they'll saying be like good to a, watch but from a devil's perspective there's really nothing transactional that can change here no, I mean, unless there's a potent- potential free agent on one of those teams that you're really interested in, just watch the games for fun. Yeah, they're going to be great games. I mean, you have last year's Stanley Cup champion, you have a team that everyone predicted to be a Stanley Cup champion this year, and then you have the Golden Knights who have never missed the playoffs in their entire history. Um, I know, what a wonderful history of Vegas. Yeah, and you can uh, see the groundwork that Lindy Ruff laid in Dallas that has uh, gotten them to a top four spot as well, but... Yeah, I think in terms of the implications here for our Devils, they are few and far between. And so uh, the same almost can be said from a uh, an Eastern Conference perspective in terms of the round robin. However, however, it's very important to note that we do not want the Dirty Flyers to uh, get a good seed. Well, it doesn't really matter, always... but we don't want them to win any games. <laughs> You can always bank on the constant history of Philadelphia will have goaltending problems at some point. The fans will freak out and then, you know, overreact to their goaltending problems. Nature is healing, Dan. Life will resume to normalcy. Uh, nature is healing and nothing nothing says that more than New York sports yesterday. But we'll, we'll get to that at a later point. But we have the Bruins, the Lightning, the Capitals, and the Flyers. And there's, if you want to talk implications, there's former Devils galore. Um, mm-hmm. The Lightning have... Blake Coleman, we we like him. He's a good dude. 
Um, yep. Let's see. Anyone on the Bruins? Uh, they let John Moore go, I'm pretty sure, so no one there. Flyers, we, we don't want them anything. No. We don't want them getting anything. And the Capitals, they just won two years ago, so let someone else get i mean the bruins and lightning i would say are under the most pressure of these four teams given that the bruins were a finalist last year so maybe maybe it's not as immediate but the lightning have been hovering around the top of the league for several years and have really stumbled in the playoffs so it's going to be interesting to see how much they you know emphasize this round robin and try to get a better seed despite the fact that home ice is not really a thing in this playoff I would I would question if Washington has a lot of pressure. Uh, we got the word that Ilya Samsonov recently he is not going to be attending this series, so mm-hmm. they're going to be leaning on big money Braden Holtby to, I guess, find his big money form because he didn't have it in the regular season. And I would say Washington in the sense of, I think their window is about to close. They're gonna they're in that spot where Pittsburgh kind of is in where, you know, you don't want to doubt their top tier players. Like, they're still viable players. Mm-hmm. But you look at the cap, you look at their rosters, and you just go, Some a lot of these guys are on the wrong side of their peak years, and they have a lot of years left in their contract and a lot of money on that contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, tough tidings are ahead, and if the Devils are going to move up in the standings, you need teams ahead of them to start falling down. And I'm wondering if Washington's going to be one of those teams that, that's going to take a step back earlier as opposed to later. So if... You know, it's, I think it's in their best interest to have a good showing in the round robin and get themselves a favorable matchup in the playoffs because in two or three years, they may not be a, you know, a surefire Stanley Cup contender anymore. They just may not be. Yeah, and I mean, we still, Washington can finish anywhere between 5th and 7th in the division. Ovi will still put in at least 30 goals, so like... Oh yeah, definitely. He's <laughs> going to take 300 shots. Like, that's just a given. This is always exciting to watch. So these, these four teams are pretty good, I would say. I mean, you know, we we don't like the Flyers, but they've been playing some pretty good hockey. So they also have the benefit of potentially uh, one of the guys with the most varied success around different teams, as Vigneault has taken... Uh, two teams to the Stanley Cup final thus far. So interesting to see what happens there. But from a Devils perspective, not much going on. And in the vein of that, we're going to go matchup by matchup for the play-ins. Just because on the east and west side, there's varying degrees of importance for our Devils. So let's start with the one that has zero consequence. And you can watch if you want to see two Canadian teams beat up on each other. And that's Calgary versus Winnipeg. This will definitely be a fun series, and the timing for the series is just weird. Like, game one's at 10.30 on Saturday. That's 10, 10.30 Eastern Standard Time, by the way, so all times I'm going to mention are Eastern, by the way. Mm-hmm. And then the Monday game, game two, is at 2.30, and then the Tuesday game, they're playing game three back-to-back, is at 4.45. So, I mean, I guess they're just trying to find any spot to stick this series in. But it should be an it, just a fun series in general. Um, there's already rumor out of Calgary that Johnny Gaudreau's time may be sooner rather than later and you know tj brody's a pending free agent at a minimum the jets were a bubble team who knows if where they're going to be going but yeah in terms of implications for the devils it's just a hockey series there really aren't any Mm -hmm. minimal and i would say the same applies to penguins versus canadians well there are a couple implications here. Okay. One, if Pittsburgh loses the series, the salt levels are going to be ridiculous. Okay. Well, like listen. your doctor's <laughs> going to call you to cut back on the sodium. Because, um, you know, um, and, and also, as I mentioned earlier with the Washington bit, is that, you know, if the Devils are going to be moving up in the future, you kind of want to start seeing teams ahead of the Devils right now 
to start uh, fading back. And Pittsburgh, similar to Washington, is kind of in that spot where, you know, Crosby and Malkin still have plenty of gas in the tank here. But this this team has basically been putting Band-Aids over Band-Aids at this point, mm-hmm. uh, roster-wise. And for every big success they find, like a Brian Rust or, um, Sherry. you know, um, yeah, Sherry, uh, or they find uh, John Marino, mm-hmm. uh, and they get, you know, re- they rejuvenate Justin Schultz. Tristan Jari. Yeah, Tristan Jari. But then they run into guys like, oh, we're going to pay big for Marcus Peterson. Why are we extending him? I guess, I guess he'll be very good. Oh, we got Brian Dumoulin for the next three seasons at $4.1 million. Hey, we got Patrick Hornfist for another three seasons at $5.3 million. Hey, we just spent over way too much money for Brandon Tanev and Jack Johnson. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like this team is sort of like just kind of like they make smart moves and then they make questionable moves. And, it, and so far, they've been able to overcome this. But this, the harsh reality is that Father Time always wins the battle, and Crosby, Malkin, and Latang are eventually not going to be as they once were. So, you know, I see this as a team that, you know, it's in their best interest to, A, avoid getting punked by Montreal mm-hmm. and going home as the fifth seed. And, B, I think their window, kind of like Washington, is going to be closing in a couple of years. So mm-hmm. their time is still now. And ironically, I kind of want them to win the series so they don't get Alexis Lafreniere to reopen that window. Yeah, that would be a nightmare. But in terms of immediate implications for the Devils, are we watching out for any former Devils in the series? I don't believe so. No. Um, you know, again, if you're interested in Shiri, because he's a pending free agent, Schultz is a pending Well, no, Shiri's in Buffalo now. Oh, that's right. No, he's he's with Pittsburgh. Did he come back? Oh, they brought him back. That's right. That's right. They brought they brought. Sh- they, just when you thought he was out, they brought him back in. There and back again. That's right. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, but Mon- yeah, but Montreal, you know, I guess they don't have any sexy free agents unless you think Dale Weiss is. And the answer is no, he is not. Please don't say that in front of my face. I will get mad at you. <laughs> oh, and Keith Kincaid, but he's he's not even joining the roster. <laughs> that's how that's how much Montreal fell in love with Keith Kincaid. He's not even on the roster for the play-in games. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that. Th- other, other than those factors that we just discussed, there's really no direct implication for the Devils. And it's weird because there's less implication in the Eastern Conference for the Devils definitely than the Western Conference. Because I'm looking at the remaining Eastern Conference series, and really only one of them is of any consequence transactionally to the Devils. Like, there's a lot of levels of emotional investment potentially. But let's take a look at next the home, the host Maple Leafs versus the Blue Jackets. And this is something that no one expected the Jackets to be this good this year. No, and nobody. They lost their, they lost what, three major free agents that they uh, traded for at the deadline and, you know, Panarin, who they had uh, most of last year, but they pulled off that great win against Tampa Bay. So this is not ever a team you can count out. So for the hilarity factor, I would love to see them beat Toronto in their uh, home arena. But in terms of how it relates to the Devils, you know, it's a divisional foe. If you want to root against them, go for it. But I think it's in the league's best interest to root against Toronto, period. Well, yeah. And the amazing thing is that Columbus does not have any pending unrestricted free agents on their main roster. Like, all of them are RFA. So, I mean, you know, granted, they don't have a lot of money to pay Josh Anderson and Pierre-Luc Dubois and their other RFAs. But, you know, maybe the Devils can scratch some backs of in the future, maybe Fitzgerald can call up Kekalainen and say, hey, we could do some business here. Well, with a black uh, cap, that kind of business is going to happen like very quickly, especially with the expansion draft coming. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like I I imagine that whoever loses the series is that, you know, the GM is not going to take a day or even a week off 
to think about how things are. They're, they're going to be answering their phones. They're going to be responding to text messages. They're going to get poked on Facebook. They're going to get DMs being slid into. <laughs> they're going to, they're going to be, you know, reached out on LinkedIn, you know, think, think of the way you can communicate to people They they will find a way to say, Hey, I see you have cat problems. I can help you with that. <laughs> yeah, so both of these teams fit in that category. But again, in terms of direct implications for New Jersey's team, not much going on in this series and not much going on in Islanders versus Panthers, although old friend Andy Green will be uh, joining the Islanders for this playoff run. Good for him. I mean, I'm happy that he gets a chance to um, go after the cup again. And these two teams met in the playoffs a couple years ago with the Islanders emerging victorious. But the Panthers have a few interesting free agents of note. So, you know, when the series ends, they're free if they lose. And obviously, if they don't make it all the way, the the impetus to stay in Florida is going to be very interesting considering the state of, um, you know, the pandemic, considering the financial situation of the NHL. So I, I'm I'm curious to see how this ends up, but I think the hockey is going to be pretty good with this one. It's just that the Islanders seem to be seem to have been slumping as the season was um, coming to an end back in March. But who knows? After this restart, they could have ironed out a lot of those issues. And they also right. have a fresh new shiny goalkeeper. This is true, but I think the series, again, it doesn't directly impact the Devils unless you're the biggest Andy Green fan and you just want to see him win a playoff series for the first time since 2012. Looking at you, Andy uh, Green's family. Yep. Um, <laughs> is that, um, you know, both of these teams kind of really need to win this one because both teams are just kind of mild, you know, they're mired in this, like, you're not a bad hockey team, but you're certainly not a good hockey team. And, and both teams cap-wise are just kind of in a big mess here, like, the Panthers, as mentioned, yeah, they have a lot of pending free agents. They'll have a lot of cap space. But who knows if they're going to spend to the cap? Who knows if they want to stay in Florida, considering they haven't been so successful? They spent a ton of money on Sergei Bobrovsky, and he has been, well, a big waste of money. Uh, I mean, just th- that's the nicest way I can put it. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm Mike Hoffman, Evgeny Dadanov, Eric Halla, Brian Boyle, and Mark Pisick, or Pisick? Pisick, yeah. Whatever. The point is, is that if they're looking for, you know, to be on a competitive team, is Florida really going to be that competitive next season? Or if they all come back, are they just going to be in the same place they were because Bobrovsky isn't good enough? They're not, you know, Joe Quenville's uh, coaching hasn't taken just yet. And then you got issues up with upper management where they somehow made Ole Jokinen mad and Chris Pronger leave the organization to start a travel company during a pandemic. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of smelliness going on here. And the Islanders. They just have massive cap problems. And as much as I love Lou, you know, and he inherited some of these problems. Like, he didn't sign Johnny Boychuk to that contract. Right, right, right. But he did He did bizarrely give a 31-year-old John Gabriel Pajot a six-season $30 million extension the minute they acquired him from Ottawa. Hmm. Like, like they got to pay Matt Barzell, Ryan Pulak, and Devin Taves, and they have $8.1 million to do it. And... They're, they're still leaning on, you know, they got their big, bright, shiny goaltender, but the guy who has been putting in that work for them, Thomas Grice, he's a pending free agent. And for all we know, he may want to stay in the tri-state area. So Devils fans, if you want to look for pending free agents that they could look at, this is the series to watch. If you like Andy Green, this is the series to watch. But other than that, it's a series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's let's move to the series that have actual implications for New Jersey's team. Um, and I, I still think there's one more that is not so much in that category and that's the 
uh, Oilers versus the Blackhawks over in the Western Conference. There's there's some some semblance of you know yes. importance to this, but not nearly as much as the remaining three series that we haven't touched upon yet. Right. So here's here's the big one, and this is this this requires a lot of ifs here, Dan. So so I want listeners bear with me here. So. The series cannot directly impact the Devils' first-round draft pick, but they can impact Arizona's first-round draft pick. Mm -hmm. So if I have this correct here, and correct, if I get this wrong, I apologize. I believe Arizona's pick is currently 11th overall, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Assuming, you know, all the teams that are in their respective seeds all lose. Like, the lower seeds lose all their series. Right, right, right. Now, if Chicago, Chicago wins their series against Edmonton, that means Arizona's pick moves up a spot because Chicago finished behind Arizona in terms of points percentage. They're actually the lowest seed in the West uh, by a very slim margin. So what that means is that Chicago beating Edmonton would not only cause the largest amount of salt in this uh, in, in this entire return to play format because Edmonton fans were basically going like, yeah, we're finally going to be a playoff team. And now they're in a situation where they may not be. <laughs> and it's on their home ice, and they, you know, they've made one what one playoff appearance since the salary cap was instituted. So they're they're pretty salty about the fact that they're even playing the series at all, much less possibly losing it. But if Chicago wins the series, that Arizona pick moves up a spot, and that's that's big in this year's draft because you want to be in the, you know, you want to have as many picks in the top ten as you can. Mm -hmm. The other implication is that let's say Edmonton does what they're supposed to do and beat Chicago, Chicago could win the lottery. And that means the Devils definitely get Arizona's first round pick. Mm -hmm. And that pick does move up a spot because Chicago moves up to one. Yeah. And so those, so those are your stakes. Well, in terms of the stakes of hilarity, I'm going to put them similarly on Edmonton as I did with Toronto, but even more so because Edmonton is that five seed that you mentioned. Like if they lose this series, they have to do some deep, deep examination of the franchise right now because Chicago was not supposed to be anywhere near these playoffs. And yeah, they have the veteran presence that's required to win two out of three games. That's not a question. But if right. you're playing at home, too, as one of the only two home teams, you better win the play-in series. Pretty much. And again, as I said earlier, this is a team that's made the playoffs, like the legitimate playoffs, once since the salary cap was introduced. This is a league where half of the team... I think it's been a team... couple times. You sure? Well, because they made the finals in 06, right? Oh, okay. I stand corrected then. Okay. They made the playoffs a handful of times, but only once since the last lockout. Mm -hmm. There you go. There you go. That's that's more accurate. The point is, is that the postseason in Edmonton are not very familiar concepts. And that's despite having Connor McDavid and despite having Leon Dreisaitl and despite having Oscar Clefbaum and despite having Darnell Nurse. And despite having Ryan Nugent Hopkins, mm -hmm. and this is a team that has had massive, and I mean massive, rethinks at the organizational level. And so if it's not this year, they may have to blow it all up again, and then Edmonton fans will just be in a state of total depression, of which that will please Calgary fans to no end. Yes, and also we, we understand the feeling at this point of blowing the team up multiple times. So again, they, they made it popular but devils are very quickly taking that blueprint unfortunately um so yeah. let's take a quick break while we get to the series with actual direct implications for new jersey's team i believe those are the only kind we have left so let's pause for a second we'll be right back to break down the last three series all right 
Welcome back, and the remaining three series that we have, we'll start with the Eastern Conference because it's the one that I think is least publicized in terms of the Devils' implications for uh, their picks because it doesn't relate to the first round. And that's the series between the Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Rangers. And this is, you know, if you're a Devils fan who grew up in the 2000s, you hate Carolina. You despise them. And also, obviously, it comes with the territory to dislike the Rangers, but... Everyone seems to think that the Rangers have a legitimate shot at the Stanley Cup all of a sudden, despite them not being in a playoff spot when the season ended. However, this has importance because the Devils traded Sammy Vatanen over to the Hurricanes. And if he plays, I think it's a certain percentage of their playoff games, then the pick that they got for him upgrades. Is that what it is? Well, no. Uh, this This is one of the more confusing conditions, and this may be something that may have to be arbitrated by the NHL here. Mm -hmm. So let's take a step back here. When the Devils traded Sammy Vatanen, he was injured. Mm -hmm. And so Carolina, you know, gave him gave them a package. You know, Yanni Kwakinen was basically the main reason why they, you know, made the trade. But they also threw in a conditional fourth round pick. The first condition is that Vatanen needs to play at least five regular season games with the Canes. And if if so, they get that fourth round pick. And if Vatanen played in 12 regular season games or 70 percent or more of the Canes playoff games, then the fourth rounder would be upgraded to a third rounder. And if neither happens, there's no pick. Mm-hmm. Now, that in stayed injured up until the NHL pause that was caused by the pandemic. We don't know whether or not Vatanen would have been healthy enough to play five regular season games for the Canes. So that's kind of the sticking point here is to say, if the season were to go on as normally intended, would Vatanen have played five games and therefore the Devils would have gotten that fourth round pick? And then if they got that fourth round pick, then we can ask the question, all right, did he play 12 games or the majority, the vast majority of the Canes playoff games? And then we would know if it becomes a third. So I, I don't know what the NHL is going to decide with respect to do the Devils get the fourth rounder on the assumption that they get the fifth, that he would have made five games? Or do they say, look, he played in the playoff game, so therefore that counts? Or whether or not he played in the play-in games so therefore, that would count. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of that's kind of the real gray area. And honestly, you know, as much as I'm always a big fan of getting more picks where necessary, here we are talking about a mid round draft pick in the 2020 draft. Like in, in any draft class, a third or a fourth rounder isn't really worth that much. Every once in a while, you'll find a Adam Henrique or a Blake Coleman, but more often than not, you're getting Brandon Baddock. Mm-hmm. So you know, I wouldn't lose a lot of sleep if the Devils don't get a pick out of this, but. That's kind of the pick impl- – that's the one pick implication involved here. And I would say that's kind of – that's where most of the stakes kind of end, but there's another stake at hand here, Dan. Well, it's our hated rivals. Our hated rivals. Our hated rivals are basically in the least pressure-filled situation among all 16 teams in this qualifying round series, Dan. Mm-hmm. Because everybody – you know, they announced this. They made it – they actually wrote a letter saying, we're going to rebuild. And they they made big bold moves. They spent big money to get Jacob Truba into New Jersey. I'm sorry, into Manhattan. They spent big money to get Artemi Panner into Manhattan. They got Adam Fox. You know, uh, you know Anthony D'Angelo uh, progressed a lot uh, quicker than anyone expected. Pavel Buchnevich, you know, took to Panner in like a glove fits to a hand because Zabadajad is legitimately good. And they have three goaltenders playing very well. So in many ways, fans of our hated rivals correctly were thinking that maybe this rebuild isn't going to last very long. 
And now they're in a position where if they make the playoffs, they beat Carolina, which, by the way, they've beaten them four times out of four in the regular season. And that Carolina team now may not have Dougie Hamilton again because he picked up a minor injury in the training camp. Mm -hmm. And a minor injury in a five-game series isn't minor. It's pretty major if you can't play, like, two or three games. Yeah, I mean, minor injury or season ending. You you pick the way you want to frame it. <laughs> right. If they make they, – they, they, they are in a great position to beat – are, you know, Carolina. And if they don't, Dan, no one's going to be mad. Well, also keep in mind they've beaten them the every playoffs. matchup this year. Yeah, exactly. Already. But if they but if they lose to Carolina, they they get eliminated. Oh, I oh my 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 my, my New York didn't make the playoffs. Like we didn't expect them to make the playoffs. Now they're going to get another high draft pick. And oh yeah, a, a one out of eight chance to get Alexis Lafreniere to really <laughs> really boost their things. Um, as I wrote on the site, if the Rangers do win the second draft lottery, many expletives will be uttered. Yeah, that that's no question. I think if either of these teams win the second draft lottery, many expletives will be uttered by just sheer virtue of them being in the same division as the Devils. But obviously, the the wider implications being we don't want the Rangers to be good. So right. I don't really know. <laughs> I'm very conflicted here. I think I would still choose Carolina, but... If there was a, like if my future self comes back and says, no, don't because the Rangers are going to win the draft lottery. It's like I, I can't help but be mad at myself at that point. But it's just the weird situation that happened this year once that random team won where it almost benefits some teams more to try and dog it on the play and to maximize their chances at that pick that would have been so infinitesimal had this format not existed that it's almost worth it for them. But who knows? Yeah, I mean, you know, players are nationally competitive, and, you know, I keep bringing up the pending free agents. Like, those are going to be the guys that, you know, if somebody, if they feel like somebody's dogging it in the games, that pending free agent is probably going to go up to that man and say, I will punch you repeatedly in the face until you get your act together, because I'm not going to lose out money, or I should say, any more money, because with their flat salary cap, you, you can you can expect some guys who are expecting some pretty, you know, choice raises here. Yeah. They're not going to get them, because there's no money to give it out. I didn't know Tom Wilson so, was a free agent. Oh, you know, I I don't think it'll be Tom Wilson. Probably like uh, in New York's case, you know, Jesper Faust. You know, he's like, hey, I'm a pending free under free agent. In the face, <laughs> you know, if they're sitting down, you know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take a lot, you know, it doesn't take a lot to punch somebody in the face, Dan. <laughs> he's you gonna know, run you know, away there's, real there's, fast. <laughs> there hey, you go. hey, Jesper, how's it going? Bam! You're dogging it out there. I want, I want my money. How We're going to the playoffs. <laughs> and then immediately the Rangers would say, listen, buddy. We're not re-signing you anyway. But anyway, well, yeah. I digress. The Hurricanes and the Rangers, that's the last um, series in the Eastern Conference, and that's really the only one that has direct implications on the Devils for this year and beyond. We get to the Western Conference, and these two remaining mm -hmm. series have a lot, a lot of sway on what happens this offseason for stakes. New Jersey. Huge stakes. Huge stakes, and the Devils don't even get their own agency to be part of it, but... First of all, we have the Vancouver Canucks taking on the Minnesota Wild. If you're a Devils fan, you are rooting for Vancouver to win this series. I cannot yep. stress enough how much more important it is to get Vancouver's pick this year as opposed to next year. Let's see the difference. This year, Vancouver was already in a good position to be a playoff team, which means yeah. that whatever pick they would get from them is likely to get worse as their young players improve for next year. And that is that pick is unprotected, yes, but it's likely that their pick would be in a worse spot than Vancouver's pick would be this year. 
that all being said, the imp- the Devils get their first round pick if they participate in the playoffs. So they have to win this playoff series to get there. But if the Devils get their first round pick, then at the very least, that gives them two first round picks that they can either use both or they can use at least one as an asset. If you have only there's a huge difference between having one and two picks in the first round and a huge difference between having two and three. And I think every Devils fan should be in accordance rooting for the Canucks unless you're the biggest Zach Parisi fan in the world and you want to see the Wild do well. Well, there there is an argument to be made that Vancouver could get worse. I mean, their cap situation is incredibly messy. Like they have on, on paper, it looks like, oh, they got $17 million. But then you realize they got to pay Jacob Markstrom, you know, their top goaltender. You know, he, he, he wants to stay in Vancouver. He's not going to take less money than his $3.6 million. Christopher Tanev was your assistant captain. He, you know, it, do you want him to walk? Tyler Toffoli is a guy you literally traded for to bring in, and apparently you like him so much that you were already discussing whether or not you want to trade Brock Besser, one of your young your young guns, <laughs> to make the space for, for Tyler Toffoli. Mm-hmm. And then you got your RFAs like Jake Vertanen, Tyler Mott, Adam Gaudette, Zach Mac- McEwen, and Troy Stetcher, who all need new deals. Oh, and you also want to keep some money open in the future because Elias Peterson's ELC ends next season, and I assure you, you'll want to extend him. In other words... This is a team that if they make if their decisions go south, you know, in, in the offseason, they could be a worse team. They could be. But I fully agree with you, Dan. A pick today is better than a pick tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We don't know how good the 2021 class will even be. And more importantly than that, even if that class is better and that pick is higher than where Vancouver would be this season, we wouldn't get to see that player in New Jersey in a couple years, most likely. So you have to extend the timeline before you get any actual value out of that first rounder. Whereas a pick this year, you know, you could see that player much sooner in New Jersey, much more involved in your system. And then you can make better decisions down the line because you know, you have this player in the system. So I fully agree with you, Dan Vancouver needs to win the series. And I'm happy to say Vancouver probably will win this series. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to say, you know, with any sort of definitiveness, given the pause and given the fact that it's only a three game series, like it's much more likely that a fluky team wins two out of three than three out of five, I would say. But I think Vancouver is a much stronger team and hopefully we see them win. And I think if the, if they don't win and win the lottery, Whatever pick they would have had, they keep this year and the Devils get next year. But is it Correct. is it actually unprotected? Next year's would be unprotected. Okay, okay. But but this year, it doesn't matter. If Vancouver does not win the series, they don't get the Devils do not get their pick. It doesn't matter if Vancouver wins the lottery or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That, that's the stakes. Vancouver, they win. Devils get their first round. Well, then round we especially don't, don't want that because they're likely going to get better if they win the lottery. <laughs> Well, that too, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, but I mean, Vancouver is one of these teams that loves the cycle. They love to be that, you know, good old tough guy hockey, you know, lots of down low play. And Minnesota's built the same way. And, you know, I think Vancouver just does it better. And Minnesota's goaltending has been poor. And Jacob Markstrom is going to be healthy and play in the series for Vancouver. So I think Vancouver definitely has the edge. So I'm hopeful that Vancouver does what they're able to do, make Devin Dubnik and Alex Stalock cry and make Zach Parise and Ryan Sutter go, well, we got five more seasons of this. Maybe Bill Guerin will get me some new guys. 
maybe Miko Koivu will come back for yet another season, but we're not going to win. Oh, sorry. That's what I want. These are best of five series. That's my mistake. The, the... the point is it doesn't matter if it's best of three, best of five, best of 27, whatever. Vancouver, win your series. Yeah, yeah. We're, it doesn't matter how many games it takes, but I think my my point on randomness is lessened because it's five and not three. But I'm feeling a little better about Vancouver's chances, but still, three out of five is very doable for teams that are supposedly playoff caliber. Um, all right, so that's the Vancouver pick, and the one that we all know and have been aware of since the moment the trade happened is the Coyotes pick, and that could either mm-hmm. happen if... The coyote, the dream scenario for the Devils in this case, I would say, is for the Predators to win this series and the Coyotes to lose the lottery. That Correct. is the best possible scenario for New Jersey. However, this is the John Hines versus the Taylor Hall series. It's so interesting from a Devils perspective that this the chips fell this way because... There's just a lot of different ways this could go, and depending on you know how the Blackhawks do, how the uh, not really how the Wild do, but depending on how the Blackhawks do too, this Devils pick could be better or worse. I, I think that dream scenario is really what I'm rooting for in terms of um, Predators winning and Coyotes losing the lottery. But if they do win the lottery, then the Devils get their pick uh, next year unprotected, which is not which is a better situation to be in than having Vancouver's pick unprotected. True, but it goes back to what I was saying earlier, is that a pick today is better than a pick tomorrow. And this isn't – whereas Vancouver's pick would be, you know, around the middle of the first round, you know, whether or not the Devils would get it. Arizona's pick is pretty much in – you know, it's just outside of the top ten right now. If Montreal and Chicago win their series, it can be as high as ninth overall. And in this draft class, you want to be in the top 12. (laughs) You know, the top 12 prospects of this draft class are great prospects. And not that Vancouver pick would not have yield a great prospect themselves, but, you know, by all the discussions, you definitely want to have Arizona's pick this year, like straight up. Now, the good news is that Nashville is just a better team than Arizona. In fact, as we're recording this right now, John Chaka has been reported to be on the hot seat mm-hmm. because the new the new owner of the Arizona Coyotes, they have yet another new owner, um, has apparently has apparently been talking turkey. You know, talking business with Taylor Hall and his people. Without John Chaka. Without John Chaka. Now, that in of itself is not uncommon. You know, for a guy, especially of Hall's stature, you don't want necessarily the GM to come to you with negotiations. You want the guy who's going to sign your checks to come and make negotiations. You know, that's the, you know, you want the assurance that I take this serious. I may not know a lot about hockey. I may not be involved with the team like the GM would be but it's my money and I want you to have my money. Mm -hmm. That's the message you're sending when you do stuff like that. And I have a feeling the owner went to capfriendly.com and discovered that Mr. Chaka, Mr. Mr. Young, young gun, hockey analysis, money, puck, whatever you want to call it, managed to cap out his team for next season, despite the fact that they're the 11th best team in the West. (laughs) They have literally $1.5 million in cap space projected for next season. And that does not even include whatever new contract you have to give to RFAs, Vinny Henestroza, Christian Fisher, not and Ilya Bushkin. That's my best, best try to pronounce his name. The point (laughs) is here, Dan, is that they don't have money to give to Taylor Hall, no matter how much the owner wants to give money to Taylor Hall. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I, I think, I think ownership realizes this and realizes, so I have no room to spend for players 
and we suck. <laughs> and now we're going to go into this play-in series against a better Nashville team, albeit coached by John Hines. But they're a team, you know, say what you want about Nashville. They're a team that's been in these situations before. They have experience. They have a nice blend of talent. They work hard down low. You know, they, they're not, they're not going to hit you on transitions per se, but, you know, Arizona doesn't do that either. Mm-hmm. And they just have, you know, if Saros and Rene can get hot, they can be just as good or better than Antti Rana and Darcy Kumper. Like, simple as. And unlike Arizona, they're not capped out for next season. So, you know, they have some flexibility. They have some flexibility in the long term here. So even though the pressure is going to be on Arizona to win the series just for John Chaka to possibly have a job in a month, I don't want that to happen. I want Jacob fired. I almost want him to be fired like right now. I want this whole locker room in Arizona to be completely unsettled. I want the owner to go in there, throw a trash can around and say, you're all playing for your jobs, even though I don't know how you're all going to get traded because who wants Jacob Chitrin at $4.6 million for the next five seasons or Oliver Ekman Larson at $8.25 million for the next seven or six rather, I should say. The point is I want chaos in Arizona because mm-hmm. <laughs> I do not want Arizona to win this series. I don't. I really, really don't. I want the first round pick to be in the top 12. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, again, it's that dream scenario of Arizona loses and they don't win the lottery. And I would be like, okay, there's only a 12.5% chance they win the lottery, but they do also happen to have a Taylor Hall on their roster who is a lottery god. So we're tempting fate to say that they won't win the lottery, but... The odds are definitely for the Devils in this case. So hopefully they manage to maximize the value of that pick and maximize the Vancouver pick too to give themselves three options in the first round. And that's really what we're watching for as Devils. Yes, obviously, that's exactly it. You know, we're watching for that exact um, scenario to play out. And otherwise, you're watching some some hockey actually being played for the first time in months. I don't see, you know, there's no reason to complain from my end. It's going to be cool to see a lot of these matchups and the way they're scheduled you're pretty much having continuous hockey for several weeks in a row and yeah by the end of what august or september we'll definitely know what the devils are going to be doing in terms of the draft we'll know what their skeleton of an off-season plan might look like depending on who they get and who's available but yeah just enjoy these matchups but pay specifically close attention to the predators and coyotes and the canucks versus the wild and as one final point, that Arizona-Nashville series, at least for the first three games, they're scheduled a very interesting – well, I don't want to say interesting, but they're very – you know, if you're able, if you're working from home or you're at home, they're at very convenient times. Uh, game one is at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sunday, August 2nd on USA or local channels if you're in Nashville and Arizona. Tuesday at 2.30 p.m. on the NHLN, uh, SN1, and obviously local channels. And uh, – August 5th, the Wednesday game, game three is at 2.30 p.m. So, you know, you're not going to have to stay up late to watch this West Coast matchup. You know, you can have a late late lunch. You can have an early dinner. You can have dinner or dunch, as you may call it, um, and watch, watch these games. Like I said earlier, forget the diet, order a pizza, watch hockey all day for 12 hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, th- there's no downside to it. Welcome back to... The time of the year that's usually the slowest for hockey, that's usually the slowest for every sport except baseball, it's suddenly the most active for every league. It's an exciting time to be back. We can only hope that they maintain um, you know, good habits, good practices to make sure everyone stays safe in these sporting environments. But as we mentioned, this one of these sports that 
has come back, is uh, about to start their championship weekend as a bit of an inside scoop as to when we record these things. So that's all I've got for this episode. John, any other final notes you have? Devils, don't just watch the games. Also figure out your coaching staff, because I have a feeling after August 10th, you know, after the second draft lottery, you're going to start calling teams, asking about their cap situation. Get your stuff in order so this way you're fully prepared to talk to potential free agents ahead of time, even though you're not technically supposed to do that until October. But let's be real. People are going to be talking anyway. So get prepared. (laughs) All right. That takes us to the end of the episode. Thanks again for listening and get ready to enjoy some exciting, exciting matchups as the NHL fully returns to action. So, like I said, thanks again. Let's go Devils. Let's go Canucks. And let's go Predators. Have a great day, everybody.